0: and we're live welcome to don't be coy i'm your host uncle Lou, and today i have the honor pleasure and the utmost appreciation to have with me today mr wesley dixon wesley thank you for being on the show sir how are you doing this afternoon
1: i'm good thanks for having me i'm happy to be here
0: yeah how's your week been
1: it's been good um well you know today might be the beginning of a week depending on who you ask so so far the week has been fine only been a few hours long but the last week was (laughs) fine um it was productive uh restful um some other positive adjectives nothing too negative to report so it was good
0: yeah no that sounds really good that sounds really good so if you don't mind can you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: sure so um my name is wesley dixon as you heard earlier and i um, where do I want to start? I'll start with the zodiac sign today. So I um am a cancer sun sign, cancer moon sign, Taurus Ascendant sign for those who follow the zodiac. Um what that means is I'm emotional and moody, um, but I think in a mature way, so no need to be afraid. So <laughs> that's me astro- astrologically, if you will. Um I grew up in South Florida, Broward County to be exact, and I live in New York now and spend a lot of time in South Florida still. So um I call myself a millennial snowbird, so to speak. Um I work out often, Um, I co-teach some cycle and spin classes sometimes, Um, I like to run, Um, and for my day job, I work at a university as an administrator. So that's about it for now.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And so I think that that's actually kind of funny with how you describe yourself as a millennial uh, snowbird. Can you go a little bit into detail about that?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, it really is something that I would love to... um, have happened by choice, and it kind of did happen by choice, but really um, what pushed me into that was that I, um, you know, again, grew up in South Florida, my family's still in South Florida, and of course, during COVID, um, there was much more flexibility in terms of working remotely and being in different places. So when I was, uh, when COVID started, I, I lived in New York like I do now, but I was in New York most of the time. Um, and then, of course, when we had the ability or we were forced to sort of work from home for some periods of time, um, I was super happy to go home to South Florida. My parents were still there. And of course, COVID was sort of a scary time. And so it was super happy to be close to loved ones. And also, um, I was really actually most happy originally to go to South Florida during COVID because it was uh, sort of in the early fall or winter of 2020. And so um, New York still had a whole bunch of, um, you know, uh, indoor Mass mandates and other kinds of restrictions generally in terms of the kinds of things you could do Um, this was pre-vaccine and so i was super keen to go somewhere like south florida where i could um spend time outside working out Um, i could still eat at restaurants but outside and do a lot of normal life things but in a way that felt safe to me covid safe i should say so um, it was sort of um just a very serendipitous thing that happened and i had not spent Um, as much time as I have during COVID at home since high school. So in some ways, I was sort of relearning or rediscovering parts of South Florida that I just was too young to know about or too young to explore. In my earlier years and so that really i think initiated me falling back in love with the place i had grown up in and made me appreciate south florida beyond of course the family connections that will always exist but beyond that i got to appreciate south florida in ways that i didn't know i would so ever since then i've been back and forth uh frequently just got back last week from south florida to new york so that's what i mean by that
0: yeah no thank you for sharing that and you know that's kind of what i want to talk with you today a little bit about like just traveling as a whole because i know yeah. that um, you've had a lot of experiences traveling, not just back home, but just throughout the country, internationally, different things of that nature. And I think that like traveling in itself has different facets to it, right? Like we as individuals, sometimes we travel just to kind of um, re- press our refresh button, have some vacation from the, the mundaneness of life. Sometimes we travel because of necessity, like you were saying earlier, because of the of the pandemic outbreak. And the need to want and want to be closer to be family so like traveling in a way for um safety but then like sometimes we travel just to kind of even for ourselves for like self-discovery and things of that nature and so like i guess um for you I kind of I'm interested on like what struck this first traveling bug for you was it something that you did a lot growing up or was it something that you decided that you wanted to do when you got into your adulthood
1: yeah great questions thanks for that Um, quite frankly the truth is um, I was born traveling and what I mean by that is I was um, a preemie I was born early I was born seven and a half weeks early and in addition to being born that early I was also born um, not in the town which my parents lived at the time. So my mom was on a work trip out of town um, when she had me. So I was born in San Antonio at the time we lived in Dallas, um, and I took my first plane ride at a few weeks old to get back home. So um, I've been traveling ever since I was uh, physically able to do so, so to speak. Um, and of course, that wasn't by choice, but I think that's just a, a funny way to start the story. I, since then, have traveled quite a lot, of you know as you've noted, but it's been a combination of um, sort of others encouraging me to travel and then at some point me choosing to travel on my own. So for the first, I don't know, call it half of my life. Um, my parents were wise enough and kind enough to, uh, sort of bring me on trips that they were going on. My dad used to work, my parents both used to work in insurance. My dad worked on the sales side. And so, um, he would often win different rewards trips for meeting different sales marks um, you know, every year. And so when you'd win a trip, you'd often win, I think I think the structure was you'd win two free tickets or two free trips. So for you and your partner, which was my mom, and then you could pay sort of at a reduced rate to have an additional person or people go. And so I was a third, so they paid for me to go. So it was a great value, honestly, for them to take me on these trips and for us to have family trip because two thirds of it was free. And so for years, uh, that was my main um, sort of outlet for particularly international travel because through those experiences I went on sort of, um, I went to, to Canada, to Banff and Calgary for some time. I'd gone on a Panama Canal cruise, um, had been to England and the UK, um, did sort of an Alaskan cruise to stop through Canada. So I did a lot of travel through that means. And so that again was not a choice that I made, but rather just the wise and loving care my parents took to make sure that travel was something that I was familiar with at an early age. Um, of course, during that time as well, there was lots of family travel. As you know better than others, our family is very big and lives all across the country and across the world. And so for things like, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmases or graduations, I was often traveling to see family, but that didn't mean going down the street, that meant going across the country. And so that mm-hmm. was another way in which I learned to travel just to see family. Going into college though, I think my parents, um, really well-placed seeds, so to speak, when I was a child, bloomed some, and I was able to travel comfortably on my own. Really, what I mean by that is without their presence all throughout college. So throughout college, uh, my friends and I did sort of recreational trips to Mexico and other places for spring break or things like that. Um, I did a couple of college-funded sort of, I should say, intellectual or study-based sort of trips. I went to the UK. Um, I went to Hong Kong and Macau um, for a few weeks with a college group that was, you know, a study-based group or whatever. And I did that all, again, without my parents, but felt super comfortable doing so um, just because of uh, the training, so to speak, that I had growing up. The last thing I'll say is that professionally, since I graduated from college, I've also had jobs that have taken me abroad. And it's funny because those trips have been trips to places that my parents have not been before or probably would have feel comfortable going, right? So um when I was growing up my parents to in places that they took me on with them or places that they had been before and they're happy to show me for the first time. But my work travel has been in places they've never been before so to this day. And I think there was a little bit of nervousness on their part that I would actually travel to places that they'd never been before and places that in the news and in pop culture were sort of scary and or dangerous. Um, But I had great times there, learned a lot there, grew a lot as a person in these places um, and, and loved having that experience and loved having the comfort and the confidence from my childhood travel. Travel, to take on new travel in ways that I probably wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. So yeah, that's my uh, travel story, if you will.
0: Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And so like, you know, I hear you break it down and really in tra- t- three different types of travel. There's the recreational, which you had the opportunity to do several different times over with not only as a child, but also throughout college and probably in to this age as well. There's the family yeah. travel where it's kind of like, as you met beforehand like a necessity when you have family who lives across the country or whether it's your Im- immediate or even extended family in like doing that kind of travel um to basically see the people that mean something to you that help make you whole and then there's also this like professional and work travel where you know um it might not necessarily be places that you've ever would have imagined to go to because Like who would think about going to these particular places, but because of the work that you do, it brings you into um, these kind of places where you get those um, really diverse experiences. And I think that for each one of those, there's like something to be said about each and every single one. And so I kind of really want to start with. Like the family one at first where, you know, I know for you, for example, like you were saying, growing up in South Florida, having family that's in Mississippi, having family that's really all across the country, that became part of the necessity for that. And so like, I wonder what it was like from your experience growing up where there's not necessarily a lot of family in Florida, but having to travel to go see your close cousins or your close aunts or what have you, what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was always um, exciting for me because I think it was often different from those I was around in school or otherwise, right? So I think many people I grew up with had family that was very proximate to, to where we lived, and so seeing family was sort of a daily occurrence, um, or something that happened without much to do. I think for for me, um, it was always exciting because it was was the opposite. I was having to travel to my parents or my family, rather. So I was always, um, you know, going somewhere. People felt like I was always traveling. always had a new story to tell from somewhere that I went. Um, and I think it was very fun to be able to do that. I do think that back on the home front, so to speak, it reminded me that I didn't have, um, sort of family back at home, which I don't think was a negative thing, but it just made it particularly clear to me that I didn't have family in the traditional sense. Where I live. And I think in some ways that pushed me to then start to, of course, think about family a little bit differently and to start to then choose family who weren't blood related to me, but choose people who I loved dearly and cared about and gave them the title or the label as family members in South Florida, right? So I'm thinking of folks who I grew up with going to church every weekend or who I was in the track team with or who I was in debate tournaments with, people who I spent a lot of time with and cared about deeply whether they knew it or not, I was signing them the label or the love of family in my mind just because I had to travel to see my family and that wasn't a weekly thing. And so I had to create that where I lived. Um, And again, I don't think that's a negative thing at all. I think actually in some ways I'm quite prideful about the fact that I had a life that pushed me to see certain people in a way that I probably otherwise wouldn't have um, in my life.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really think that that's very important being able to build that like community base. And so, like, I'm really interested in like how that has how you've taken those skill sets of, you know, learning how to build family in a place where you don't necessarily have your immediate family, and then moving into a new location, right? So like, yeah. uh, moving to Connecticut to go to school, now living in New York, like you've had to do that two, three, couple times over, but yeah. like. I'm really interested around like when you build those communities with people like um, and then they go out and live their own lives. Right. Because we each intersect in each other in Mm -hmm. these kind of like chapters of our lives. Like, do you put them in the same category as you would like your immediate family um, as growing up and traveling to go see them? Or is like, um, is that something that you would say is a priority for you?
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Um, And of course, you know, it it depends on the person, but certainly to your point... um, Well, let me back up, actually. So one thing that I think I wanted to just punctuate um, um, at this point in the conversation is that the ability to and the willingness to sort of, you know, create family, so to speak, where you live in the absence of immediate family, I think hinges the most on um, just being a trusting person, honestly. Right? And I do think that it's something that some people struggle with, because for a variety of very legitimate reasons, they um, have experiences that make it difficult for them to trust people in general, but particularly trust people in an environment which they're not familiar. And so I think that it, it it takes being trusting, of course, with discernment for you to be able to sort of give yourself the ability to make, receive, and welcome others as family into your life in places that you, you know, didn't grow up and are not familiar with. So that's the first thing. And then I think when you allow yourself to have that trust, and with discernment, of course, I think you then um, just, you know, make these beautiful relationships that I've made over the years in different places. And as you said, people then, some of them stay, some of them go physically, because we're meeting in different parts of our lives. Um, and yeah, depending on the strength of the relationship, I certainly make it a priority to see people who I consider loved ones who I met at a different point in my life. And so, quite frankly, none of my closest friends or not I shouldn't say none many of my closest friends don't live where I live um, they live on a different coast um, they live in the south they live in the midwest whatever um, but I make it a point to either see them when I can within reason or talk to them very frequently via text phone call or facetime and I think I've just gotten very um sorry one thing I didn't say at the beginning was I'm also an only child and so I think because of that so, a combination of being an only child and being someone who has who didn't grow up with family close by, I think I become very nimble and very able to sort of maintain and keep relationships that transcend physical proximity, right? Yeah. And so, I don't find it to be intimidating or concerning at all that my closest friends or loved ones are not proximate to me because I've been able to operate with that being the the modus operandi since i was born and that just continues into my you know 20s and soon to be early 30s so um that's not intended for me and i sort of like being able to have my own space and be my own environment knowing that wherever they are in the world my friends and loved ones who i call family um, will be there for me and responsive when i need them
0: yeah you know i think that that's a a very interesting thing that you bring up there when you Mm -hmm. talk about establishing those relationships and the first key component of that being trust especially when we're talking about from a traveling sense, right? Like whether yeah. you're traveling alone or you're traveling with somebody, there's a certain level of trust, especially whenever you're in a a new space. And mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, like how, from your perspective of, um, I think you you're absolutely right in the, be- the uniqueness of being an only child and the uniqueness of growing up not being in close proximity to your family. You have this ability to um, create community um, at at whim, if you will. And so, I wonder how, whenever you do travel, like how does that um, transcend in building communities in those new spaces? Yeah, so, um, of course.
1: You know, I think one of the things that um, I appreciate most in people in general, and I don't mean this only related to travel, but I think it'll, it'll, it's certainly relevant to travel is I really, really appreciate people who just are naturally inquisitive people. Um, And I think uh, inquiry and curiosity are the key to living a full, meaningful, exciting life, honestly. I've always aspired to be someone who's both interested and interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think if you can strike that balance instead of become both those things, I think the world will open up to you in ways that you could never have imagined. And so, relative to travel, I think that um, going somewhere new and really um, asking sort of some meaningful, exciting, insightful questions of the folks who are from there in a way that makes them feel like you are quite excited about the place that they call home and a place they know well, I think starts to open you up to community so, 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 so quickly. And so I like to think that I have a really, genuinely curious spirit and so when i travel somewhere i just start asking people questions and i sort of acknowledge their own formal or informal expertise about the place in which they live and grew up in and become a student of theirs about that place and i think when you show interest in something um people respond to that i think that's the you know the foundation of building community
0: yeah no i i think that that's um really intuitive that you you approach life in that kind of way so like do you mind sharing a a story of a place that you visited and like how you use that kind of that intrigueness that you have towards a specific place to build a community
1: yeah absolutely so I um in my first job after after college I um worked in a global health um uh organization and so I uh eventually was a program manager for a variety of different programs we ran that were in different countries so um in that job i had managed overseeing programs that were taking place in china um ethiopia ghana and the uk um and so i traveled to each of those places a number of times over the course of that job and i think one of the things that i one of the trips rather that i that i went on where i really really was excited to go and to learn more about the place was Ethiopia, in part because it was my, that actually represented my first time traveling to the African continent. And of course, as a Black American, it's sort of a very special experience, sort of have your first moment, um, I don't wanna say returning, so to speak, but going to the continent, um, given all the history that we all know about um, in America and the African continent. So that was a really exciting trip for me. And one of the things that I sort of remember seeing for the first time in Ethiopia that's never left me um was walk so I was in Addis out of the capital um for a few days and I went out um to a rural part of the country for a little bit later but when I first got to Addis I um remembered seeing well first of all all these gorgeous people like phenotypically, everyone in Ethiopia is gorgeous they all are like so wonderful and it's a very um homogenous community so they're just a very sort of I don't know, pure thoroughbred could have looked. I know that's probably a problem I had to say, but people know what I mean. It's just a very consistent look among people who are in Ethiopia so everyone's just so gorgeous. But beyond that, what stuck out to me was just seeing two men, so by that I mean black men, because of course we're in Ethiopia, two men sort of holding hands, sort of walking in the street um in Ethiopia. And of course, for me, having been a black American and being raised in a particular American society that had a particular kind of you know, um, patriarchy, so to speak, and then being a part of the Black community that had a particular way of thinking about manhood as well. Seeing two Black men in Ethiopia hold hands, I didn't even know who they were. I didn't know why they are holding hands. But just seeing that in public in the street was just a very sort of striking moment for me. And so yeah. when I went to Ethiopia, we had many colleagues who lived in and were on the ground in Ethiopia. And so I think at one of our first theaters, I must have asked them, I said, hey, um, and, and I worked with them on Zoom and stuff, on Skype at the time, rather, before I got in country. So I knew them professionally, we weren't strangers. We just hadn't been, been in person before. So when I got to meet them in person, I sort of said to one of them, I said, hey, said, you know, I just saw this um, earlier today, you know, what, I didn't think what's up with that, but I said, you know, is that common, whatever? And they explained to me that in Ethiopian culture, it's super common for men who are just platonic friends to show affection publicly by holding hands in the street. And it was just a really great sort of learning opportunity for me. It was sort of a great eye-opener for sort of how relationships and friendships um exist in different cultures transcontinentally and so that's just one example of sort of i guess you know where my inquisitive spirit um sort of opened my eyes and taught me something but also brought me closer to those i was with in a different country
0: yeah man i i think that that's a really um key story that you share there especially like the that dynamic that that shifts right because Mm -hmm. in african-american culture like that that shows up in one particular type of dynamic or it perceived to be one particular dynamic. But then in other cultures, it's a whole totally different thing. And I think what's really interesting about that is like, you can find those kind of like different cultural differences um, anywhere that you travel, right? Even within like the United States, there's differences around like how we interact with each other interpersonally. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm curious around like, as you traveled to all of these different places and seen all of these different things, how have you as an individual allowed that to develop who the person that you are today and how you show up and also how you educate others around the the differences and nuances of showing like love, affection, community and um, culture?
1: Yeah. Great question. You know, I think um, in terms of how I think about this country, I think it has me having these various international travel experiences and cross-cultural experiences has heightened my awareness of how much that also exists and can happen domestically as well. Right. So I don't mean to glamorize. International travel is the only means by which you can sort of be exposed to and learn about different cultures. That's obviously not the case. America clearly is sort of a a hotbed, if you will, of different practices, cultures, experiences, this and the third. And so I think it just made me more aware that when I travel domestically, which, again, mostly is, you know, I don't know to see or had been, but, you know, to see family or to see friends or whatever. And not thought, I have not thought of it primarily as sort of an educational opportunity. I think now, even if I'm traveling to see family or friends or whatever domestically, I'm aware that there's also, you know, uh, internal, personal, educational things that can happen from domestic travel as well, right? And there's learning to be had. And so I try to just find opportunities to be very local when I travel domestically, um, again, even if the overarching goal is to be with family or friends. And so if that means that I'm going to, um, you know, go on a run and get intentionally lost and just go in a city that I haven't been to before and just run, you know, explore the city on foot, not have a map, not have a route, I'll do that because I think that'll show me, or my hypothesis is, it'll show me parts of the city, parts of the place that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, won't know about. I might see some cool things, ask questions about. And so I think that has been sort of the, I I would say sort of the practical way it's changed me in terms of travel, but in terms of what it means for community and love and all that stuff back here at home, um, I think that, you know, it really had just made me aware that across the world and across communities, people often I think have the same desires and wants, right? They want to feel useful. They want to feel that they're in community. They want to feel like they have support, um, like they're able to live a happy life independent of where they are. And so I think I've always been a particularly loving, and caring person, but I think having these experiences internationally has made me, um, I, I was gonna say more lenient, but really more open um, to what community looks like domestically um, and how you then show up for people um, in ways that may be beyond, you know, coming to a party or, you know, giving them a gift. There are ways that are simpler than that, but are more meaningful than that. That I think you um, uh, can show people. And I think also, you know, we grow up with people. You know, we grow up with our classmates, our neighbors. We have college friends or whatever. So around them a lot. And I think in some ways, because we're around them so much, we take for granted there are things that we don't know about them. And I think we don't ask questions to get to know them um, intentionally. We just sort of let our time as friends define what we know about somebody. And I think I have taken a stance of when appropriate and when I go move to asking people I've known a long time, you know, pointed questions just because I don't know the answer about about that in their lives and I'd like to know it. And so I think that inquiry-based approach to travel and life um, is something that you can even bring to your closest loved ones and friends because there are probably things you don't know just because you've been around them and gotten in a certain mode with them. So I think that's how those experiences have influenced how I think about my friendships and relationships here at home.
0: Yeah, no, man, I think that's really beautiful, especially like it sounds like for you traveling in itself, whether it's like traveling up the road or traveling like across the world, like it's an opportunity for growth. And I think one of the keyest points that you talked about that is during the pandemic, when you got the chance to come back home. And explore sides of South Florida or just explore the state in a way that you've never even been able to do or haven't done since you were like a child. So having like that new perspective on the place that you call home as an adult. And I think we all get to have that kind of moment, right? Where we are coming back home or coming back to a place that is a familiarity. And like we think we know everything there is about that place. But because of the places that we've been, the things that we've seen. We have a new perspective around what home means for us. And so, like, one of the things that I wonder for you is, like, um, do you ever go on, like, self-traveling journeys or, um, like, self-trips, if you will? Like, whether it's, like you were saying, getting lost um, while you're running. I would consider that, like, a self-traveling trip or, like, even going, like, across the country or to a different country country by yourself
1: yeah i love solo travel people think i'm so strange for saying that but again i think part of it is or part of my comfort is that i'm an only child so i have done a lot of things by myself growing up and so i think this is no different i've done both solo domestic trips and i've done um solo international trips so i think one of my most exciting solo international trips was uh, when I went to Zanzibar in East Africa um, a few years ago. I was in Rwanda for work um, and wanted to sort of add on a vacation and, you know, was trying to find somewhere that was close and easy to go to. And so Zanzibar was relatively close uh, to Kigali. And so I flew to Zanzibar, was there for about four or five days and had the best time. And I just sort of, I lived in this Airbnb that was right on... Uh, the ocean. It was not glamorous at all, which I was super excited about. It was, uh, it, for all intents the and purposes, a hut on stilts that was uh, <laughs> had three had a roof and three walls, and the fourth wall was sort of open facing the beach, and it was just the most sort of simple um, non-technological, non-fancy accommodation, but I just felt like I was sort of off, and, I, and there was internet, but it effectively didn't work, so I felt like I was off the grid for those four or five days, and I just really, really enjoyed it. And I got on this fish, I got on a, um, on a boat, a fishing boat, maybe, mm, was it? No, it wasn't a fishing boat, I, it, like, sort of like a tour boat, and it was, like, me and, like, four others, and there were two people who were from France, two who were from Germany, one from Italy. And so it was the coolest thing because I just sort of met these people. We're not friends today, but they were great travel partners on that day. And I learned so much from them. They learned a decent amount from me, I assume. And it was just fun to be sort of in a place and and an experience of folks who I never would have thought I would have met and um, doing things that were exciting, um, not having to, not feeling pressured per se to perform for people who I knew who might've been traveling with me. I could just, you know, be there, do nothing, do everything, and just have a great time. So that was internationally. And then domestically, yeah, I, I drove during COVID. I would drive from New York to South Florida because I was not comfortable flying at the time. Um, and so I would take different paths, driving down... Uh, the east coast and i would stop in small towns and get food and talk to people and so in particular i remember stopping at um this amazing restaurant in rocky mount north carolina um, which i actually heard about no, i hadn't heard about the restaurant but i heard about the city rocky mount through some other avenue a year or two before that so i was happy to stop there on this drive um and then i found this amazing i think it was a black owned restaurant and it was sort of like a soul food restaurant it was like a soul food slash carolina barbecue restaurant but it also like had a very modern um, and I I should say healthier approach to soul food, so to speak. So they had you know, candy yam, but they weren't really candy yam. They were like two potatoes with like ginger and an orange zing. So it was cool. So it was a great restaurant, talked to the local people who worked there, had a great time doing that. So yeah, I just love going places on my own. And I feel like when you're by yourself, you actually, um, I don't know, I feel like you welcome, exciting experiences more than you do when you're with a group and of course i love group travel as well don't get me wrong but i think when you're by yourself you happen to be able to stumble into people places things that you probably wouldn't stumble into with a group and i like the serendipity of that
0: yeah no while i was hearing you talk man like i was thinking about like this unique experience and perspective that you have around travel like you know as a point of privilege, is like we can think about like Um, where we are as a people like African Americans compared to like 50 60 70 years ago the idea that you can travel from New York to Florida and like um, visit all these different places and feel relatively comfortable right you know there's certain states that like I still probably wouldn't stop in but like you know I think that it really and truthfully speaks a lot of volume to like um the kind of experiences that we have because of um those more freedoms that we have if you if you will and one of the things that i'm really curious about is your perspective of um the black people that you've seen like from stopping in those ver- um random different places like from um i think you said great mount north carolina and like <laughs> um traveling to Ethiopia compared to Rwanda compared to Zanzibar these are all like different communities within the diaspora but like I I'm curious around what are some of the similarities of what you felt to make you call these places like comfortable enough trusting enough okay enough to stop in and feel for lack of a better term at home even if it was just for that time period
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Let me think out loud about that. I, um, in North Carolina, um, you know, that probably felt, among the black folks I ran into, that probably felt um, just more familiar. um, As you know, our company's from Mississippi. And so, um, you know, both from from the south, so to speak. And so I feel like sort of the food, the menu, the hospitality, the mannerisms, Of the folks i met in carolina in that particular instance were just very similar to that that i knew from my family and so i felt like i could understand sort of what uh you know how they operated how they were and that just was really easy for me to sort of plug into i think internationally um you know i don't know you know so in ethiopia in particular i had since learned this um since traveling to ethiopia but i did not quite understand the history uh, or the connection between Ethiopia um, and Jamaica, and particularly Jamaican Rastafarianism. I might get history wrong as I say it now, but my memory tells me um, that Haile Selassie, sort of the last sort of emperor of Ethiopia, so to speak, was actually sort of the—I um, don't want to say focal point, but one of the main figures of Rastafarian. Um, faith or culture, so to speak. And so I think when I knew that um, and started to hone in on that, you know, South Florida is is home to many, many Jamaican people. And I grew up around many people who I probably didn't know at the time, but probably now know they are Rastafarians, And so just sort of understanding and being aware of the global histories that that bind Black countries and Black nations and Black people, like in this instance between Ethiopia and, and Jamaica, I think make you feel like despite the geography and despite the distance, there is a shared uh, global black history in some regards that mm-hmm. even if we look different, speak different languages and all that sort of stuff, we are connected through some through line. And so just knowing that I think makes me um, feel like I'm you know, in community or in relationship to, to some degree or some regard with black folks anywhere in the world, including Ethiopia.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. Especially whenever you talk about like, Um, this whole educational component of like travel right and like knowing that history and like whenever you go into these different places it like adds in a whole different flair around um, the experiences that you get there I know like for example in Ghana like there was a big slave port there and like um, going there and seeing like some of that history and being a part of that and understanding like where um, like there is those intersectionalities i think um one of the most beautiful things is like the food as well and like um Absolutely. understanding like the different food ways and culture around that it's just like a, a totally beautiful experience man yeah for sure for sure so like let me ask you this then so like with someone who is just beginning this journey right like i i'm yeah. hearing you saying like all of these different beautiful places, some of have been to like, because of work, some have been to visit family. And then there's like this recreational component around it. I think the major question that a lot of people have is like, how, like there is the financial component of it around, like, how can I make my means to explore these, um, have these traveling experiences. And like, if you could like, package it in in like a bundle where there's like a um, premium package where you're going and doing the international travel or like the the bronze package if you will where it's like you're traveling up the street like how does one begin to start this traveling journey yeah so I it's a great question I
1: um want to bring back what I said a little earlier just to start which is to say I think um and i'm saying this in retrospect i didn't uh, start my life or my travel like this but i think it's advice that i could give now for traveling a lot i think that i would actually just hone if i were somebody i would hone the ability to sort of s- sort of uh suck the most out of where you are so to speak mm. right so before you spend the money traveling to ethiopia or to dubai or to wherever in my opinion i think it'd be a great practice to do some local staycations. I don't mean staycations only in the sense of like, oh, I live in Miami, so I'm going to go get a beach beach hotel and just, you know, relax. You can do that too. But I think if we're traveling, if we're talking about for this sort of getting a greater awareness and sense of self from travel, I think getting practice, sort of exploring your hometown is the best way to go because it'll make you understand then how you can you know, live amongst things and still not know or understand them, and start to then ask questions and learn about places that you thought you already knew. Once you get that skill honed, I think any other level of travel you do um, will be maximized, so to speak. You'd ha- I, I would think for myself. I would hate to go somewhere, quote unquote, exotic, um, and get back and say, "Oh my gosh, I wish I would have asked this or knew this or done this." Um, and I think you can avoid that by again t- t- practicing the travel where you live, as paradoxically as that sounds, right? So that's something I would say at the beginning. I think in terms of how to make this happen practically on different levels, um, you know, I think you have to uh, first learn how you like to travel, right? Do you like traveling with others? Do you like traveling by yourself? Do you like traveling on a schedule? you like having a more free-flowing time? I think all those things are things that you would want to learn and experience and, and discern. And I think, again, the more practice you have local. Otherwise, you'll get a better sense of that. But in terms of, again, actually going these trips, quite frankly, I've made it clear on this podcast, you know, I haven't been able to travel a lot for myself because of work. Right. And that makes the financial burden, so to speak, much smaller than it would be if I was just traveling to these places on my own with no other reason of going. Right. And so I think that is just a moment of transparency where it's like, hey, I'm not I have not dropped cash value for all these trips for all these years. Probably the majority of these cool trips I've gone on have been subsidized substantially by work or by school, right? And so that's just the the reality of it. But I think if you know that you want to start traveling and you want to be able to have those experiences, you know, potentially look for jobs that facilitate that kind of travel, whether it's you going to a conference somewhere or you running a program somewhere that's not where you live, maybe look for jobs that enable you to have that experience. Um, I think otherwise, if it is, so just recreational or family, you know, I think planning is an important part, right? In planning, um, asking questions of those who've been to the place you've been to before, making a budget, starting to save for that trip, I think is really how you start to piecemeal together a travel experience um, that's exciting, new, and fun for you. Um, and again, I think you have to understand part of the learning thing earlier, you have to understand what you're willing to do, what you're willing not to do, right? You have to know if you're willing to be in a place that might, you know, have some, form of civil unrest, so to speak. I don't mean to sound dramatic, right? But when I was in Colombia last summer for my birthday, there were some um, sort of uh, protests going on nationwide because of some taxes that the government had levied federally against the citizens. And so, you know, me and those I traveled with had to decide how comfortable we were going to a place that had, you know, some things of concern going on. And so I think you have to answer all the questions yourself, but I think the more experience you have, the easier it becomes to answer those questions for yourself and for others.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I really like how you talked about like just beginning off like learning your own little community. I know for me, one of the things that I really like doing is um, every time I go home is like, I like visiting a new museum and I like going to the, the Visit Jackson kind of center or the visit whatever center that you have. There's little mm-hmm. postcards that have all the different like, um, like community activities and different attractions that that city has. And sometimes there's new things that you ever even knew about, like whether it's a, a special boutique that serves um, certain type of ice cream, um, artisan ice cream, or something of that nature, or another type of dessert shop, um, or anything like that. I think it's really it's. You learn more about yourself the more that you begin like in your own um, small pool and then the more you practice expanding on that as you were saying like um, mentioning about going to Colombia like you wouldn't be able to feel comfortable going to a place that was having a little bit of um, civil unrest unless you've um, had experiences like in other different countries where there were probably similar or maybe even worse things going on but having that um kind of presidents to set your own tone to set what you feel comfortable with. You kind of have to start small and then work your way up to it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that, I think that that's really beautiful, man. well i I really appreciate you taking out the time to speaking with me today and um, I want to go through with you some lightning questions um, that I go okay. through with every so. single guest. <laughs> you sound excited. I am. All right. Well, we'll do this and I'll let you get back to your day. All right, let's go. So what's your favorite relaxation or self-care activity?
1: It's a great question. I um, think for me, that is cooking. I love cooking and we didn't talk too much about food and travel today, but we can talk about it later. But I think cooking is such a great communal activity and such a great sort of art. Um, and, and you know, sort of a tactile thing to do. And so I love cooking and trying new things whenever I can.
0: All right. Sounds good. What's your best book recommendation?
1: Yeah, it's a really, I don't know. People think it's cheeky, but I think it's so insightful. But I have always loved The Little Prince. Um, and The Little <laughs> Prince, of course, is an allegory. It's, I think, often thought of as a children's book. But the themes, I think, are actually Theme that adults can resonate with a lot. Um, it speaks a lot about how, quite frankly, jaded adults are and how having the spirit of a young, curious person who's not been molded by the world yet is how the world opens up to you, opens up to you rather. And so I've always loved The Little Prince and read it. It's very short, so I read it probably once a year, once every year, every year, just to sort of have it back in my spirit. But I think it's a great book for everyone to read.
0: Oh, I love that. And lastly, one person you want to thank for your journey thus far?
1: Yeah, there are many folks. Of course, I love my parents and they I've mentioned them a lot on the podcast today, but I think the one person who I'm, who's on my spirit today to sort of thank is my 10th grade guidance counselor, whose name was Nicole Wilson. I went to a, a private school that was predominantly white, um, but she was actually a black woman guidance counselor. and She took a special interest in me and she always made me aware of unique Programs, opportunities for students of color in particular, but also students in general. And so she was a great advocate of mine and um, really looked out for me in a space that I probably wouldn't have been looked out for otherwise. And so I just, um, in the spirit of sort of inquiry and education, I really have always remembered
0: and appreciated Miss Wilson's impact on my life. So today I'll give a shout out to her. Oh man, that's beautiful. Well, thank you, man. And I appreciate you being on the show. I hope you have a great rest of your day. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.